Welcome everyone to This Week in Science, where I'm going to do my best to bridge the gap between subjects and talk organic chemistry, okay? Woohoo! This week's article, or I guess topic we're going to be talking about, is a newly published work from first author Daniel J. Blair and the group of Adrian L. Gill and Martin D. Burke, where they've done some pretty cool stuff and found a way to automate um, basically making carbon to carbon bonds. And we'll wow. get into why that's super cool and interesting uh, as we keep going. I guess the first thing um, I'll ask you guys is do you get, how much do we know about like making or synthesizing molecules from scratch basically who knows anything about that i've i've got a, a keen understanding of it. i feel like alistair <laughs> should tackle this because it's been six years since i did organic chemistry at least probably more well i mean it's been like four since i did organic chemistry because my degree was in analytical chemistry but mm-hmm. uh as i understand it when you want to make a molecule uh, you kind of break it into smaller components and then try and make those components from even smaller components. It's like building something with Lego, mm-hmm. um, yeah. except Lego's really great because everything snaps together. Most mm-hmm. everything clicks into everything else. Chemical bonds are complicated and do not happen as easily. So you might want to put a phenyl ring on something, but it's not just going to attach to anything. And so you sometimes have to put on protecting groups and uh, leaving groups. And that's where I... Yeah. I, I bow, bow down right. to the organic chemists. They're kind of persnickety is how I would yeah. describe it. Persnickety, very <laughs> That's good. It's a great way to put it. And like exactly how I said, we kind of, if you want to try and make things fit together, you almost have to design it that way or force it to be the case. Mm-hmm. But we enter a kind of a complicated area when we start talking about carbon to carbon bonds and a particular type of carbon bond called the sp3 bond and for those organic chemists you know i'm sure you know about you know your sp bonds your sp2 bonds your sp3s and we're talking orbitals here <laughs> this is complicated chemistry okay but what? to put it simply first year chemistry <laughs> exactly first year chemistry complicated <laughs> to put it simply the way i i imagine these things is you know we have bonds we have single bonds where we have like a covalent bond like carbon and carbon likes to hang out together but in certain situations, you can get carbon who wants to really hang out with carbon and can make a double bond or can make a triple bond. And a triple bond is defined as like an SP bond, the double bond SP2, and then carbon single bond is SP3. And so that's like the organic chemistry of it. And all that matters is how many electrons are they sharing together? That's the way I think is the easiest way to look at it. Mm-hmm. But in, so here's the, the rub of it. When you do SP or SP2 bonds, Those are really easy because they're flat, okay? They like to take a flat morphology, and it's easy to just kind of pluck something on there. But when we talk about single bonds, things get complicated, and we enter the realm of what's called chiral centers. Chiral centers are terrible, and they make chemistry really complicated because you can get chemicals that are effectively identical with very different well, properties. And I mean, these were first defined as spectral properties, but also have biological uh, differences and can have significant differences later Mm -hmm. when, for example, you're trying to design a drug. And so Mm -hmm. this is exactly what this group is trying to address in this paper um, titled Automated and Iterative CSP3 to C Bond Formation. And so what they did, 
<laughs> to put it as simply as I can, I'm going to do my best, is that in the past, being able to make carbon-carbon bonds was okay, but was never really automatable, right? We couldn't actually just kind of get a machine to do it, but we could do it. Particularly when it came to those double bonds and triple bonds, it was pretty straightforward. But those single bonds were nasty and we could always get kind of two versions of the same molecule, like the evil twin of a molecule. Mm-hmm. You can think of that almost like the mirror image mm-hmm. where they look the same, but they <laughs> can't overlap and they can't, you know, they don't mimic each other. The evil version of the, other <laughs> of the other one. They don't exist in the same universe, hidden behind the glass. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you guys have heard about like thalidomide, like that whole I have, uh, yeah. situation. I am... Do you want, does anyone want to talk about this? You know, do you want to take this one? So they invented a drug called thalidomide. I'm pretty sure it was for nausea and particularly morning sickness in pregnant women. And it worked really well, you know, and that was all great. But thalidomide had an evil twin molecule that they weren't aware of. And the evil twin molecule caused birth defects. So pregnant women gave birth to children with missing limbs, essentially. Um, So really horrible case study of this exact sort of chirality problem, which is that a molecule might look almost identical but have very different biological effects exactly you nailed it on the head and so what they what these guys have done is to kind of ensure like one um form of a molecule they've created these they've kind of upgraded an older technology Mm -hmm. right which was called basically these giant borate groups that they would stick at the end of these of these molecules to kind of force a specific orientation but now they've really optimized it and basically created a Legos-like system where we can kind of brick to brick set up these molecules and allow for carbon to carbon bond formation, which was really, really difficult to do in the past and particularly really difficult and really inaccessible for a lot of like, you know, day-to-day scientists and even, you know, small startup uh, pharmaceuticals to try and generate. Mm -hmm. And so they upgraded the MIBA to what's called a TIBA. (laughs) That's what I'm calling it, T-I-B-A. And so it's like a tri... Uh, I, I cannot say this word for the life of me, but I'm going to do my best. Tri-methyl-aminodiacetic tri- acid boronates. Nice. Okay? I did my best. Okay? And so it's a massive group that they've kind of put onto the end of this molecule to kind of force an orientation mm-hmm. and ensure a, a appropriate substitution when we're kind of elongating a molecule and progressively building it out. And not only that, they optimized, you know, they made it so that's easy enough to do at a bench top because these reactions to get them to work at high yield used to have to be done in basic conditions. And that's not really optimal and it's not great for a machine to be just constantly, you know, uh, pushing out these kind of basic fluids and these basic conditions. So not ideal. And the environment. And the environment. It's not good for the environment. So now we have them in neutral conditions atmospheric normal you know what was what's called spa or what was it stp stp like you could do this in your kitchen type thing exactly now they can automate it you know um a lot of this automation at least in the biology field has been you know been worked on for a long time we've been able to do big molecules like rna Mm -hmm. and dna for a long time but small uh, therapeutics that are like essential for development of new drugs and for new mm-hmm. therapies. It's been a real, real um, difficult point and difficult threshold for us to pass. So this group has been able to effectively generate new machines, build out this new kind of Lego setup <laughs> where we can build out new yeah. therapeutics. And uh, yeah, and hopefully this will be a new way to uh, develop new drugs. Basically, the world is now open. The yeah. world is, we can do whatever you want, right? 
I feel like that'll be huge because almost like as far as I'm aware, a lot of drug development is from, you know, extracting molecules, complex molecules from living things like fungus or like, and then usually getting E. coli to mass produce it for you because because we can't produce these molecules in in the, at the bench top because either we don't know how or it's just too complicated and easier to just give a cell the cellular machinery to do it but this sounds like it'll allow us to do a lot more of this type of molecule building in our own hands as opposed to like the E. coli workhorse mm. system maybe you understand this a lot better because you kind of work in the industry but there's also a, a kind of other pronged approach where you know the target activation of a system or something, and you can theoretically design a molecule to work on that activation or inhibit that uh, enzyme or whatever, mm-hmm. but then you have to figure out how to make it, and it's breaking down the steps of making this complex yeah. molecule that doesn't exist in nature, not that we can find. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah, such a good it's... point. Exactly. Yeah, you've nailed it. You've nailed it on the head. A lot of this is like a lot of biochemistry as well, where you know you can see the structure of a protein and know where you want your molecule to affect it, Mm -hmm. but not be able to develop that molecule per se. And a lot of times we're stuck on doing analogous molecules and doing these massive screens for like binding sites, Mm -hmm. right? But in this scenario, this lets us kind of be a little bit more imaginative, a little bit more exploratory Mm -hmm. in the different types of molecules we might want to design since now we can kind of just... Designer molecules. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Build your Millennium Falcon of a molecule. Very cool. Go crazy. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm really excited about this. I'm excited to see this in application. I hope yeah. that this actually makes it a little bit further. Um, these guys are getting some pretty substantial yields for the organic chemists out there. A lot of folks are happy with like a 30% yield, and that, that's great. And these guys are hitting like 60 and above wow. for each of wow. their reactions. Where before, when they compared to the older technologies, it was just like not plausible it was not doable then but they do direct comparisons and they see zero percent yield in, in the maiba where they see and then they see 70 percent yield in the taiba so this is like that bigger borate molecule i was talking about that protects the carbon and ensures that it goes to the right spot mm-hmm. so it's really impressive work very wow. cool and i see i've got the um, paper in front of me here and i see an image of this kind of flow system that they've got set up uh where they kind of can basically do all the chemistry it looks like almost like a micro system i can't i don't have a sense of scale on this picture but it almost looks like it's the size of like a small little i don't know postcard chip yeah it looks like a lab on a chip it's a bit bigger than that i think it's kind of the picture that might be fooling us a little bit there they're pretty like significantly um i would almost say like two meters by a meter it's just okay for looking at the uh, same thing. I think you're looking it at the look, pumps. It looks like a chip because I've of the zoomed, I've yeah. zoomed in the photo and I can see the, yeah. the digital displays. So that gives me a kind of sense of scale. It is bigger than I thought. Yeah. But still, it's yeah. all kind of um, small tubing and stuff. Exactly. Wow. And like hands off, right? That's, yeah. what we're, that's ultimately what we're looking for. Where I can put in my molecule of choice, make sure I have all my reagents, go home and the next day I have a novel therapeutic. Yeah, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's That would... It's like the KitchenAid stand mixer of chemistry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And just just being able to see that we can upgrade the system, like this is just one step to the next one, right? Mm -hmm. Now we can actually modulate like chirality of a molecule. We we could do that before, but like I said, under some pretty stringent conditions. But now it's way more accessible. Now what happens next, right? 
I'm really excited to see how the uh, chemists kind of break open their minds and, yeah. you know, c- go at this. So it's going to be a great time in the future. The most exciting part about developments like these is how fast they build on each other. Like, I, I, yeah, right now it's a few meters long, but it probably will be scaled down soon. And they're probably also scaled up, I guess, to like mass produce molecules. And I'm sure like the the innovation on top of this, once people are able to start using it, producing their own molecules and improving it is going to be incredible to watch. Absolutely. That'll be really cool. Absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. And one of my questions was going to be why, because splashed across all of the pages of this PDF are accelerated article preview. Um, yeah. And so, you yeah. know, this is this week in science. So we're talking about the latest breaking stuff, but um, it's, yeah. I think it's pretty rare that an article gets accelerated. Um, yeah. Well, we saw that a lot during, like, yeah, COVID-19. A lot of articles were getting accelerated to uh, publication. I want to make sure that this is clear. Like, this is, does not mean that it didn't do peer review. It's mm-hmm. They did do peer review. Um, it's just a matter of rather than wait for all the edits to get done by, for example, the editing team at Nature in this context, mm-hmm. they're just putting it out, that PDF, that kind of unedited version but that has been reviewed out for the public to see right away. That's so cool. Um, th- if, yeah, for anyone who's been through the publication process, you know just getting accepted is just one step <laughs> to, mm-hmm. the, to the next publication cycle, and they're making sure all the figures look right, all the scale bars are there, all mm-hmm. the lines are drawn through, so all the X's are, yeah. you know, So, what, I mean, yeah. we, we've been discussing about how this is going to revolutionize uh, carbon bond formation in chemistry, but... Um, is that kind of why it's been accelerated, do you think? Or is there like another reason that you know of? Or um, In this context, I think nature does like to... I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say what the intent is per se. My understanding is that this might just be something they're excited about. I, I don't, but you know, I'll, I'll be... I'm just going to scratch all this. I really don't know. I really okay. don't know. Yeah. I don't know uh, what the intent is there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to scratch that part. Well, I think, I think we kind of <laughs> discussed that's what our main discussion has kind of been is it's going to revolutionize uh, chiral chemistry, which is kind of a difficult set of mm-hmm. or conditions for making molecules, especially drugs. And if that can be automated and uh, made more easy, made easier, then yeah. that's worth putting out to other scientists to mm-hmm. know about. We take those yeah, wins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So, yeah, uh, that's been, I suppose, this week in science. <laughs> I'm really excited. It's been an exciting yeah. week. Um, there was a lot of articles to pick from, and this is the one now I dropped, uh, dropped on. So, this is the one that stood out. Exactly. So, I'm Om. I'm Alistair. And I'm Sienna. And this has been This Week in Science. Thank you all for listening. You can contact us at phd32b at gmail.com and follow us on our socials at NotYetADoctor on Facebook, Twitter, anywhere you'd like. Anywhere you'd like to find us. Not TikTok yet, but... Yeah, not TikTok yet, but soon, I'm sure. Sienna's Sienna's getting for it. (laughs) I want somebody to do the work. I just don't want it to be me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyways. Thank you for listening. Catch you next week.